Ooh, now I'm track two. It's weird. <laughs> You're not used to that. No, I'm usually on the top. You have anything to say? Not particularly. Well, that's a problem because you're a podcaster. That is a problem. I feel like we should have stuff to say. Maybe. I've, I've got notes, but I don't want to spoil all the good stuff. True. So, are you feeling bloopery today? <sighs> do you want me to just say fuck a lot? I can do that. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like there will be bloopers. Probably. we're going to do bloopers and extended stories at the end of the episode again. I really enjoy doing that because that's always the part that I cut. And I'm like, man, it was so funny or it was such a cool story, but it really needs to get cut. Now I just stick them at the end. It's delightful. (laughs) So welcome to Crime Crazy, the weekly true crime podcast with Aaron Plyme. And Diana Seacon. Where we prove... That we know nothing about our legal system. But we're still crazy for a good true crime story and some really cozy stats. Yeah. I like how you did the flourish that ended up with patting Oliver on the head. Oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, look at this soft little head over here. <laughs> he likes it too. He's very excited. So this is our last Crime Cozy episode. It is. I'm kind of a little sad, but I'm also really excited about the story I have this week. So like roller coaster of emotions happening in this chair. I'm kind of appalled it's already the end of October. <laughs> right? How did this happen? I mean, I think the actual answer is we are old and the passing of time seems faster as you have more time to reflect back on. I think it, it's that our <laughs> lives are full and busy and productive. And so time flies when you're having fun. That's why I took that three-hour nap yesterday. <laughs> Fair. I must have been stressed about work last night because I had all of these dreams about work, including that I had gotten on Slack and that our boss had won an award. I'd actually been nominated for an award like in the same contest or whatever, but mm-hmm. she was one of the top five, so hers was gold and glittery. Ooh. And um, yeah, and it was so real that this morning when I got on Slack, I was like, okay, let me go look in our channel and see because I think <laughs> I didn't really understand. <laughs> I had a dream like that. I think it was back in college where this is the true part. I was living out in Eden Prairie and there was a bridge that went over the highway that cops would sit on mm-hmm. with the radar gun. And then there would be people on the entrance and exit ramps to come grab you. And this happened a, a lot. And right. I dreamt that I was driving home and I went under the bridge and I saw the cop with the radar and I looked down at my my dashboard and of course I'm speeding and I'm like, oh fuck. And he pulled me over and he gives me a ticket and then I drive home. But the whole way on my drive home, and this is all like totally real. Like it was it was the right road, it was everything. Right. And so on my dream drive home in Minnesota, um, the amount of a ticket increases by how many you get per year. Okay. And I had recently had a speeding ticket, but I didn't remember if it was within the year or not. Okay. So I'm like in my dream drive home, I'm thinking about like, when was it? Do I still have it? I bet it's in my desk drawer. So I wake up from the stream. I go directly to my desk and pull open the drawer and pull out the ticket. And I look at the date. I'm like, oh, it was more than a year ago. That's okay. I am in my pajamas. (laughs) (laughs) So were there certificates involved? Well, I think they were maybe... It was really hard to tell. Uh, I think somebody had printed off. They looked like trophies. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody had printed off and laminated them and then taken photos. And all we had were the photos that were on Slack. 
but it was like like the trophy cup mm-hmm. and mine was blue like like a company color blue yeah and then and I forget what it was and then um I think they were all like values based or something and then hers because she was one of the top five was uh big gold glitter with I think her name on it or whatever nice and I was like man I mean I'm so happy for her but I was feeling really good about getting one at all. And now she's one. Like and she's got glitter. <laughs> right? And now mine doesn't feel as cool. <laughs> well, you know, bitches love certificates. It's true. And glitter. Mm-hmm. There's glitter in my drink tonight. And there's glitter on the outside of my drink tonight. I'm excited about all the glitter. There's a lot of glitter happening. I like glitter. Me too. We were at the school book fair last night. Ooh. And Liam brought over a pouch that has the... Uh, sequins that go either way except they weren't different colors it was dumb one side was shiny and one side was dull right it was a color I don't much like so we loved it I'm always like yeah I want the like I need this in my life to just touch it (laughs) I would love to make a skirt out of it you can just buy it by the yard I've seen it no I know so you could make a skirt out of it for like it wouldn't be very hard but I'm afraid that I would wear it to work because why not and then I'd be in a meeting that was annoying me, and I'd probably like write fuck on it or something. And then I'd forget, and I'd and get stand up. up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought and then I wouldn't have a job to wear the skirt to anymore. <laughs> right. I thought you were going to go with somebody would try to write on your skirt, and the easiest place to grab it would be like your ass. And uh, I mean, yeah, that'd be a problem too. But yeah, it's just such a nice expanse to write something. <laughs> on. <laughs> Kiss my, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Oh, see, now I do need to make this skirt. Right? <laughs> hmm. So, Diana, other than um, lots of time spent pondering making a skirt out of sequins, mm. uh, what did you learn this week? <gasps> She's excited. She sits up straighter and, like, takes her glasses off and squares <laughs> her shoulders. I know it's going to be good. I'll take my glasses off because I need new ones and I can't fucking read through them. Oh, well, that, that's an issue. <laughs> So do you remember last year? I remember a lot of things last year. <laughs> do, you remember? do you remember every second of last year? Do you remember year? last year? You remember? I, remember I do. <laughs> I do. I was not drunk the whole year or, and I'm not suffering from dementia. Was I drunk the whole year? No. <laughs> um, so remember last year, last winter, specifically when Huga was the big word? Oh, yes. Yeah. So, it, But he, spell it because I did not know that's how it went was pronounced and so I never would recognize it. It's H-Y-G-G-E. Right. Huga. Right. I need to look it up. So so that's a Danish concept of creating a warm atmosphere and enjoying the good things in life with good people. Um, So this was a big thing. It made the rounds around the internet last year Mm -hmm. and I know in my circle of friends it resulted in a significant increase in the purchase of throw pillows. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's all cozy and shit. Well, it was a big, like, bullet journaling thing. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of people would make lists of things that yeah. they were going to do. And that was a big topic. So I learned this week mm-hmm. that there's a Finnish concept that okay. I think I more closely identify with. I'm ready. <sighs> Kalsari Kanit. Mm. Kalsari huh. Kanit. Roughly translated, it means pants drunk. And it means getting drunk in your underwear alone with no intention of going out. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Pants drunk. Yep. So later today. Pants drunk. 
Egal, sorry, ich kann nicht. <laughs> yeah. I uh, feel like this drink that I made purely because I wanted to use my sparkly Halloween glass. Um, may I may be well on the on the way, except I have my like American pants on, so like pants pants on, and not just my underpants. I put on pants just to come here because it was a. No pants day. It was a yoga pants day. <laughs> but I had to do a bunch of interviews, so I had to put on the professional shirt. Right, over the yoga, yoga pants. pants nice, nice. That's you right. could have totally come here in your yoga pants. I thought about it, but it's chilly down here, and my pants yeah. pants are warmer. True. So, Erin. Yes. Did you learn anything? I did. That you should tell us before your pants drunk? Before, <laughs> Yes. So I learned a couple things, and we'll share this one. <laughs> I have next week's already on a post-it note on my computer, so I remember yes. it. <laughs> I generally am just like reading along through something, and then I'm like, ooh, screenshot that. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a thing that I learned, uh, but it goes along with my story, so I'm just going to share it as part of my story. And this is not so much a thing I learned as a thing that like had never occurred to me, mm-hmm. that Australia eats its national animal. And people don't do that. Like, we don't eat bald eagles. What is its national animal? A kangaroo. And they eat them. Is it good? Well, they're like deer. So I heard somebody describe it as like, we have white-tailed deer, Mm -hmm. and we have to cull the population. They overrun their pests, their whatever. And so we kill them, and we eat them. And And deer is tasty. Right. And (laughs) kangaroos are like deer that hop. Mm -hmm. And they have pouches. And they can kick you. And they can kick you. So what does it taste like? I don't know. I would imagine it's kind of gamey. Yeah. But I just sort of imagine everything in Australia is kind of gamey, so who knows? Well, it would be pretty lean. They've got to be all muscle. They've got to be, yeah. Yeah. No, I would think that it's actually pretty... I mean, I don't know what the flavor would be, but I would Mm -hmm. think like the texture of the meat and the quality, it would all be very similar to deer. I think they are very much like vertical deer. Yeah, that seems legit. Right. Big feet instead of horns, and that's about it. <laughs> or antlers. Antlers, sorry. Whatever. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, no, I think it's actually illegal to eat a bald eagle. <laughs> I'm fairly certain. I am so unimpressed with bald eagles. People get all excited about them. But we had bald eagles released from, like, rescues and all of this kind all the time where I used to live. Mm-hmm. And... They would fly majestically out over the reservoir and everybody would cheer and, oh, they're going to go fishing and now they're going to survive on their own. They didn't. They went straight to the dump and ate garbage for the rest (laughs) of their lives. That's what they do. They're just vultures with more feathers on their face. (laughs) Majestic looking vultures. Right. (laughs) That is why their heads are white. (laughs) I don't get it. I don't get it at all. I mean, it's better than a turkey, which was the other option. Well, apparently the turkey was a facetious option. But I feel like they are only marginally better than a turkey. So, I mean, if you're going to consider the bald eagle, you might as well consider the turkey. What happened to a hawk? Hawks at least catch living things. Yeah. Bald eagles are capable, but they'll eat the garbage first. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's not an inept metaphor for the state of the country right now oh my god but that is next episode yes tune in for the very special episode right (laughs) on november 1st for our feelings on that in two days we have a message for you guys but today is all about halloween (gasps) 
I'm really excited about how insanely themey our stuff is today. <laughs> but also I feel like, like my story's awful. I don't know about yours, but mine is. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. But at the same time, like all the rest of the stuff I'm going to say is just so much less awful than you would expect. Like it's almost a comforting Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a cozy episode. Yay. Plus, I get to talk about candy, which is going to make me want candy. Hmm. It did bring you a bag of muffins. You did. Oh, Diana brought me a whole bag of pumpkin chocolate chip muffins. All right. Let's get back to Halloween. So here we go. All right. When you think Halloween, mm-hmm. you're taking your kid out trick-or-treating. It's nighttime. He's in a costume, which apparently has to fit over a winter coat because it's insanely cold. It's going to be nice next week. It's going to be almost 50. Okay, yeah, but see, we usually went with the, like, you know how you picture, like, women in slutty costumes? Mm-hmm. In Virginia, that was mostly, like, a survival technique because <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> All right, well. All right, anyway, Halloween. Halloween. Snowsuits. Trick-or-treating in your snowsuits. Liam brings in a bag of candy. Now, I realize your situation is a little different because you're checking it for other stuff, but what crime are you the most concerned about on Halloween? I am mostly concerned about the people that give out shitty candy. What kind of people are you? That's true. That's not technically a crime. Um, but, you know, Diana, you might be putting yourself at substantial risk if you eat your kid's Halloween candy. Because there could be all sorts of nefarious things hidden in that lovely Reese's pumpkin. There could be. My grandparents' neighbors, I grew up in the same neighborhood that my grandparents lived in, they put their return address label on all of the Halloween candy, and they gave out, like, good shit full size. Right. So we knew it was from them anyway. But, right. Um, because of what I am guessing you are about to talk about, that happened when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Poisoned and um, otherwise sabotaged. Yep. 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 So um, the the tradition of trick or treating has been around for quite a while in our country. Um, Well before the 1950s. I was going to say at least since the 80s. Yeah. Well, so (laughs) this case I'm actually about to talk about might not be the one you're thinking of because it takes place in 47, I believe. Oh, no. Different one then. Hold on. Now that I've said that, I am questioning it. All right. Um, it's not 47. It is 74. All righty. <laughs> Close. Close. <laughs> so, but by the 1950s, we were well established in our tradition of sending our kids out in ridiculous costumes to beg for candy from the people that we tell them <laughs> to not talk to the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. And then take that candy home and eat it. And the other thing that was well established by then were these urban legends about poisoned candy, candy with nails, with needles, with razor blades, candy that had been tainted in some way and was going to kill your child. Did they talk about the pennies my grandpa used to heat up on the stove and flick at the kids he didn't like? Huh. So I have, a, I have some stats at the end, which are mostly just other stories. There's one not too dissimilar from that. Yeah, apparently that was common in the town he grew up in. Also, the moving of the outhouse with the people in it. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's <laughs> awful. Why would you do that? Because it was rural Ontario in the 30s. Yeah, it's still <laughs> awful. So the story that I'm going to tell you about is about Ronald O'Brien, his wife, Daneen, which is spelled D-A-Y-N-E-N-E. I guess that's how you'd spell it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Timothy, his son, who is eight, and Elizabeth, his daughter, who is five. And they lived in Pasadena, Texas. On the evening of Halloween in 1974, Jim 
uh, I'm sorry, Ronald O'Brien and his wife and his two children went over to Jim Bates' home. They were neighbors and friends. Jim was home with his wife and his children. He had two children as well, one of whom I'm not sure how old he was, but he's an older son. And then he had a little girl who was five also. Did they run a motel? No, they did not. They were not those Bateses. Oh, <laughs> thought we were really going to go for Halloween. No, <laughs> they they did serve dinner and have dinner with the O'Briens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a rainy Halloween, yeah. which sucks. Totally. But the kids were really, really into going trick-or-treating anyway. And so three of them and the two dads did. So Timothy and Elizabeth, the O'Brien children, both were dressed up and they went trick-or-treating. Uh, Bates's older son, whose name I don't have, was also went trick-or-treating with them, but his daughter stayed home. So the two dads took the kids out. They're going around the block. They're going to all the houses. And there was one house where all the lights were out. Now, we all know if all the lights are out, they that means be bothered. leave them alone. There's no candy there. The kids went anyway, and they knocked on the door, and they rang the bell, and there was no answer, and so they gave up, and they left. And it was raining, so they didn't spend a whole lot of time there. Well, O'Brien, Ronald O'Brien, fell behind the dad and then caught up with them a few minutes later, and now he had a handful of pixie sticks, Mm. but like 21-inch pixie sticks, like the big ones. And he said, oh, you're in such luck. Our rich neighbors are giving out good candy. He said, right after you guys left, they handed me this. So he gave one pixie stick to his son, one to his friend's son, one to his daughter. Uh, They finished their trick-or-treating. They went back to the Bates house. And he gave the other pixie sticks, the fourth one, to the daughter that didn't come trick-or-treating with them. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, somebody, a trick-or-treater, rang the bell at the Bates' house, and he was like, here you go, have a piece of candy. So all five of them were dispersed to different children. At home that night, after all the celebration was done, the O'Brien parents said, okay, guys, you have to go to bed. Before you go to bed, you can pick one thing to eat. And of course, they're like, the giant pixie stick. stick. Well, I don't know what Elizabeth chose, but Timothy chose the giant pixie stick. Obviously. But it was a little problematic right from the get-go because it was sealed. So it was 1974, and these are not plastic pixie sticks. Right, they were paper. They're the old paper ones. Well, this one, for whatever reason, like the bottom was sealed with that like heat seal or Mm -hmm. adhesive, whatever, however they did it. The top was like folded over and stapled shut. Which I that feel right. should have set off some alarms. Yeah, no, that's not right at all. You chew the end off and then you right. the shit inside. So uh, Timothy needed some help getting it open. Dad opened it for him. And then the sugar inside was like kind of stuck to the paper. Mm. And so the dad had to, Ronald had to like loosen it for him, get it all, all unstuck. I feel like pixie sticks in paper wrapping... It would make sense that it could potentially get damp and sticky. That happens sometimes. You had to kind of roll them to... Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, like, I wouldn't have given it to my kid. So I wouldn't have, but mostly because it was before bed. Well, I don't need 21 inches of Kool-Aid mix in my kid before Right before bed. No, I agree. Well, but the staple, the fact that it was a little sticky inside, like it just, there were a couple of things, like you've got other candy. Let's try something else. Yeah. But he did. And so the kid took a big, like poured it into his gullet 
and immediately was like, oh my God, this is awful. It's really bitter and gross and I don't like it. And so Ronald, dad, gave him a big cup of Kool-Aid because like we're all about sugaring up our kids to wash down this nasty taste with. Can you imagine that, what was her name, Deneen? Yeah. She's just looking at this going like, you fucker, I'm going to have to deal with this in the morning. Right? (laughs) Right? And half the night he's going to be up. Right. Yeah. He's going to have a (laughs) bellyache. I got to do shit tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so Timothy did get a bellyache. I bet he did. A couple of moments later, he started to just bawl. He said he had a stomach ache. He doubled over. He was convulsing. He was vomiting. His dad grabbed him. He was holding on to him. And uh, the dad said he just, one minute he was there and he was puking, and the next minute just totally limp in dad's arms. And by the time they got him to the hospital, Timothy was dead. So... In an interview a couple days later, Ronald told the press, we thought we were so careful. We'd even wondered if we should go out trick-or-treating this year. There isn't going to be any more trick-or-treating for us. Because he, like everyone else, assumed that the candy had been tampered with and given out randomly to the kids. And um, it was just dangerous and Mm -hmm. they should have just stayed in. So there was an autopsy done on Timothy, and they determined that there was enough cyanide in his system to kill three grown men. Oh, my God. They examined the pixie stick because that seemed like the most likely culprit. And sure enough, it had been opened, and the top two inches still contained traces of cyanide. So somebody had opened it up, dumped out a little sugar, refilled that section with cyanide, not mixed it up or anything. Just, yeah, no, why would you do that? Right. First bite is going to be cyanide, and um, then folded it over and stapled it back shut so the police started to investigate um they very quickly had to find the other pixie sticks that was like number one priority because five of these had been given out if one of them they were all stapled if one of them was tampered with there's a good chance the other ones Mm -hmm. were and these kids were in danger so elizabeth had not tried to open hers and of course her parents didn't let her open hers the Bates children also had not eaten theirs because because Timothy died so fast they could get to this like the next morning right but the last child the trick-or-treater was a little harder to find because it wasn't a kid they knew it was just a random person who had come to the door they finally tracked the child down and this was still so early the next morning that um, the child was still asleep And so they went into the bedroom. The child was sleeping, holding the pixie stick. He had tried to get into it and couldn't get the staple out and then had fallen asleep before managing to get into the pixie stick. Oh, my God. So all of the other pixie sticks also contained two inches of cyanide in the top of the candy. You can kill a whole Jonestown with that. Yeah. Yeah. Dozen people. Easy. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, they asked the dad, like, where did this candy come from? Like, that's, we need to start there. And the dad could not remember where he had gotten it from. He's like, I, you know, it was dark. We were walking around. I just don't remember which house it was. And the police were really frustrated with that because it had been rainy. They'd only done two blocks. It was their neighborhood. Like, that shouldn't have been a thing. So they applied a little more pressure, sort of wondering what it was that he was hiding. And he finally remembered where the house was. He said, oh, this one, the lights were out. You know, the kids went ahead, told the whole story. He said, and then after they walked away, the door opened and this guy like shoved the candy out the door. He said, but I didn't see his face. Like all that I could tell you is he had a hairy arm. And. Sounds like bullshit. Yeah. So they, 
then it was very easy to track down the homeowner, who mm-hmm. was a man. He lived there with his family. He was an air traffic controller. And the night of Halloween, over 200 people testified they had seen him at work that evening because he worked all night. Right. The mom and the kids were home, but they had run out of candy and turned out the lights. And since Ronald told them that it was definitely a man who handed the candy out the door, now they knew that whole thing was just bullshit. Mm -hmm. So they looked into Ronald. It's interesting because I always think, well... The fam- look at the family first. Right. It's always the husband. It's always the wife. It's always the whoever. Um, but they didn't look at him first because it seemed to be this like boogeyman candy poisoner. Right. Like you didn't give them this candy. You rushed him to the hospital. Like he looked really innocent at first. Right. So when they did a background check, it turned out Ronald was employed, but he was about to be fired for stealing. In fact, in the past 10 years, he'd been fired 21 times from different jobs. Wow. Right? He was over $100,000 in debt. That's $1974? Yep. Holy shit. He'd already lost their house. He was about to lose the car. And he had recently taken out quite a bit of life insurance on his two children. In fact, he had taken out three separate policies on each, and at least for one of them, the life insurance company said, we really don't think you should do this. This is excessive. Right. Like, you don't need to insure a child's life for this much. It's going to look suspicious. Like, it's going to cause you issues. Don't. But he went ahead and did it anyway. And as your local former insurance agent, like, child life insurance is usually a flat five or $10,000, maybe higher now, Right. but it's for funeral costs. Right. Like, they're not... You're not missing income. Right. You don't need to worry about making the house payment. Right. It's for burial. Right. And then maybe a little bit of leave time or something. Right. Right. But yeah, no, like anything more than burial and some time off. Yeah. His kids were insured for around $60,000 each. Holy shit. In $74. Like human being adults that were working weren't insured for $60,000 then. No. Yeah. Like, if he had died, he probably was not insured for that. Right. So, one of the big problems was, you know, they suspected that that he played a part in this. They looked at him immediately as their prime suspect. They couldn't find where he had gotten the cyanide. And, in fact, they never found a source of cyanide. What they did find is that he had done a lot of talking about cyanide recently. That he... But also, let's point out, and I don't want to keep bringing up Jonestown, but I'm gonna... They got it through the mail. Like, cyanide was readily available. Right. Well, and he did attempt to buy some at one point. So he had had talked to a chemist about how much cyanide would kill a person uh, just, like, a month or two before this happened. Mm. And apparently he would even bring it up at, like, social gatherings. And it was just a topic of conversation. So I'm reading this part, and I'm like, okay, if you're planning on killing your kid with cyanide, maybe don't talk about it obsessively in the days leading up to it. But then, devil's advocate, we talk about cyanide a lot. Right, but we have plausible deniability. Right. I also don't actually know where to get cyanide. And I know that all of my browser internet history is trackable. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so he Which, had... I mean, I guess, dude didn't have Google. No. Had to be a little bit more resourceful. Right. But it seemed like from some of the articles I was reading that it was almost just conversational with him. Like he Mm -hmm. talked about it a lot. Um, 
pondered about it. Do you know? Did you know? Did you know it only takes this much to kill? Like, just it kept coming up, even with people who weren't experts. So it wasn't just seeking information. It was, like, always on his mind. Well, and if it were five, ten years later, Mm -hmm. Jonestown would have happened. Like, that is a topic of conversation where I could see me, like, how much cyanide do you think it takes to kill 908 people? Like, Okay, or, you know, to learn more about it just because you're interested. But this is, like, way before it was in kind of the common collective consciousness. Right, right. It had been in use forever, but... Well, right, but, I mean, this is before Tylenol tampering. This is before Jonestown. This is before a lot of those events that brought cyanide into something we all know a little bit about. Right, right. So he'd also try to go get some from a chemical salesman. He didn't buy the cyanide from him because he would only sell it in five pounds or more. No, you don't need that much. He didn't need that much. The other suspicious things were at the funeral, he was overheard talking to his sister and brother-in-law, saying things like, I guess I'll use his life insurance to take a long vacation and buy these things that I want. And like he had called the insurance company the morning after Timothy had died to figure out how to collect the money. He had made, he was not sad at the funeral. Apparently he didn't even really look at his son when he walked by the casket. He just kept on going, but not in a, I can't deal with this kind of way in a like, let's get this over with kind of way. Um, and, and just never was distraught about this sudden death of his perfectly healthy child on a holiday. Yeah, but let's remember, too, that people under grief don't act the way that you necessarily think they do. There's a lot of factors that go into it. You can't necessarily take that for for much of anything. Right. Unless, you know, he's been talking obsessively about cyanide. How much it takes to kill a person. (laughs) That combined with the insurance query, combined with the cyanide talk, the fact that they tried to buy it. Even the insurance thing, like, you know, if this was a family that was having a tough time... Most funeral homes, at least now, I don't know if it was the tr- true back in the 70s, will help you coordinate with life insurance and will hold off on demanding right. payment until life insurance comes in. So I can see if he'd gone to the funeral homes like, I don't have any money for this, mm-hmm. but I've got life insurance that the funeral home probably would have even helped him make the calls. Yeah. But it sounds like it wasn't the funeral home. It sounds no, like it he sounds was like on it. He was. He was ready. And, and he had excessive life insurance. Well, so... he's talking about taking a trip, not about like guess now I can save the car or right. build a mausoleum. I, I don't know. Yeah. No. Pay off my $100,000 in debt. Right. Right. Try but, to get back on my feet. Or even something like, you know, I'm going to take everybody away for a couple of weeks. Right. We have to get out of the area. We need to. Fine. We need to get out of here for a bit. I'm going to take a long vacation with all this money is a different. That's a whole different thing. It is one thing to be like, I need to get out of this house. We need to get out of this town. We need to go heal. We need to do our own thing. Be back in a couple weeks. Elizabeth away from all of this. Yeah. We maybe don't want to live in this house anymore. We need to figure that out. (laughs) Well, I don't know that they were going to have a choice because it sounds like they were getting evicted. It's on the way anyway. So uh, they arrest him. Obviously, they charge him with the murder of his son. They never do find out where he got the cyanide from, but like you were saying, probably not that challenging, and he didn't end up needing all that much. Mm-hmm. Um, his defense the entire time, and the one that his lawyers went with, was just, but there's always this story of a madman handing out poison candy to kids, and now it has finally happened. And that's all they went with the whole time. That is the shittiest defense ever. Yeah. So, 
we could talk about it. So somebody must have just done it already. What yeah. The- yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why it took the jury 46 minutes to decide that <laughs> despite the fact that they couldn't link him with like actual forensic evidence of any kind guilty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took him 71 more minutes to sentence him to death. It is a bigger conversation. Yeah. So the press nicknamed him the Candyman. Gross. Yeah. And over the next 10 years, he appealed his case for all different reasons, all of which were denied. His death date was set and reset several times every time, you know, they went to hear an appeal. And at one point, one of the judges said, you know, it would be great karma is to execute you on Halloween. And so set the death date for a Halloween. (laughs) It was not the date he was eventually killed. He was killed um, on March 31st. So 1980 something. 88, I think. The... I don't, I don't want to say this is cool, but the kind of cool thing is, so I've been watching the show about death row inmates on Netflix mm-hmm. and one of the, the very first episode, the guy decides that he wants to go to death row because where he is is so horrible, but in death row, it's this very, you know, like community, it's supportive. People are kinder to each other because they're all there and they're all going to be killed and they're all scared. And so it's a much more... Um, accepting kind of group Hmm. and the guards are kinder and you have some more privileges that you don't have in like maximum security or isolation Mm -hmm. or whatever else well that was not the case Mm. for Ronald O'Brien yeah not when you're a kid killer nope completely friendless he was universally hated by every single death row inmate Mm -hmm. he had nobody to stick up stick up for him and in fact they tried to organize some protests among the other death row inmate prisoners to celebrate his eventual execution (laughs) and wanted to get permission to like congregate and all the rest so I shouldn't be delighted by that. I know, but at the <laughs> same time, <sighs> man, when when you've done something so horrible that even other felons are like, Mm-mm. right? People <laughs> people who have killed people. I mean, like, right? You don't go to death row because, because of speeding tickets, usually. Right? You right. know, they're fine with taking lives, but not the way you did it. Well, but they they want his taken. Yes, that too. So, um, of course, that every execution there are generally protesters from both sides there mm-hmm. he was executed by lethal injection and the protesters that were there as sort of like anti-protesters so mm-hmm. not the protesters that were anti-death penalty mm-hmm. who are at every execution but the people who came to stand up against them mm-hmm. apparently dressed in halloween costume and when it was announced that he was dead they yelled trick-or-treat and threw candy at the anti-death penalty protesters which I have feelings about. That's shitty. It is shitty. I, he's an evil person. He didn't deserve anything good in the whole world. Right. Still don't like the death penalty. Still don't think you should take that out on, I, I don't know. It, that just That's just poor taste. It is. You know, if you are trying to advocate for a cause, and that is not a cause I'm okay with, has some fucking dignity right you know you're just making a bad name for yourself yeah yeah no i agree i agree um but i did think it was interesting how very celebrated his execution was Mm -hmm. he was just universally hated yeah so so uh that is a case of halloween candy poisoning not the way we always hear it Mm -hmm. where 
you know, well, if you go to that lady's house, she might be giving out poison candy apples or needles in the candy bar or mm-hmm. whatever else. Um, but in reality, there has never been a random poisoner handing out Halloween candy that's tainted with something else. Yep. Ever. Never. Not there even have, a little bit. Nope. And so there are no stats for that. Um, but there have been other... Like, this one was very much planned, and then they tried to make it look that way. So very targeted attacks that mm-hmm. have happened. Um, Kevin Toston is the other one. He was in Michigan that is often, you know, oh, well, here's another one that really happened. What happened with him, though? He was five. He died the day after Halloween of a heroin overdose. Ugh. And when the police came, they found heroin sprinkled all over his Halloween candy. And they did a little bit. And so, of course, the press got a hold of that. And they're like, oh, people are tainting the Halloween candy with heroin. And now it killed this five-year-old little boy. And see, we told you the story was real. It was all over his Halloween candy. That meant everybody in the neighborhood. Everybody (laughs) in the neighborhood. What it turned out was that he had gotten into his uncle's heroin stash and accidentally overdosed completely separate from anything having to do with Halloween. Mm -hmm. Then his family, hoping to protect the uncle, sprinkled heroin all over the Halloween candy. I don't oh, get fuck it. Fuck you. Right? No. So. You kill my kid with heroin. You are out of the house. We are done. Relationship severed. Go fuck yourself. Right? I'm going to hang on to the heroin with your fingerprints on it and give it to the police. Absolutely. No. They or maybe just force it feed it to you until your heart explodes or whatever happens when you have too much heroin. Right. Right. Not whatever my happened area of to expertise. My child. So there was a woman in New York who handed out a bunch of strange things. She was upset that older kids kept coming to trick or treat that she thought were too old to ask for candy. (sighs) So when they would come, she would hand them things like, I think they said like steel wool (laughs) and a whole bit. But one of the things she handed out were ant traps, like the ant buttons that Uh, are filled with poison. And so she was arrested. Uh, It was not hidden in candy. She didn't make any attempt to get anyone to eat them. She just was giving them shit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But they did arrest her and they even uh, convicted her. She received a suspended sentence because technically she had endangered children's lives by giving them poison. She had, but she wasn't being sly about it. It was like, you're too old. Here's an ant trap. Right. Um, any other ins- there were I mean there are half a dozen other instances. Um, usually it is some sort of suspicious death or some sort of we think that we found whatever and the media jumps on it and they say, hey, Halloween poisoning at last and then later come back and find that it was actually cornstarch on the candy and not cocaine or mm-hmm. it was um, one person died of a heart attack while eating their kids' candy. It was not in any way related to the candy, but just bad timing. Yeah, just bad timing. So that that kind of thing gets reported. But I seem to remember that, and maybe I'm just making shit up at this point. But the one I remembered from when I was a kid was razor blades. Yes, in the candy. And the one time that there had actually been a razor blade in a kid's candy, it was his parents. Yeah. Um, so I didn't come across that one because I really looked at poison. Mm-hmm. But one of the articles I read did talk about like razor blades and needles and things yep. in candy. And they said that pretty much every case, I mean, uh, not that one, obviously, but it was there's this rumor. The kids open up the candy and hide stuff yep. in it. And then, oh, my God, Mom, there's a needle in my Snickers bar because they think, you know, that's sensational and that's funny right. and it gets a lot of attention um, and don't realize the the panic that it causes but it's not it's not a real thing no which makes it all the more infuriating and I don't, I don't know if this still happens or not but again when I was a kid 
you could take all of your candy down to the fire station and they'd Mm -hmm. x-ray it for you and like all of these resources yeah wasted over something that literally never ever happened yeah absolutely uh yeah one of the articles i was reading talked about i know they did it out in washington state and yep we did it here yeah um, I don't know if we ever did it back in Gloucester, but I know that it was always a rumor that that mm-hmm. was something you could do. I don't know if they actually did it, but yeah, no, I remember my parents would like go inspect all of my candy and there was stuff that I couldn't have. Although I think that was kind of the stuff they liked, but right, <laughs> all the Reese's. No, they didn't like those as much. My mom liked baby Ruth's, which is fine. I don't, I'm always afraid I'll accidentally pull my teeth out. I just don't like how they taste. Mm-hmm. I didn't, never understood the baby Ruth. I did read one interesting one that technically maybe fit this pattern, except that it was a total accident. So some people had dressed up bags of marijuana that they were going to sell, and they had dressed them up as Snickers bars. And that's how they were mailing them through the post office. Well, they didn't do enough postage or whatever. They didn't think somebody would smell it. I guess not. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) The Snickers bar smells like pot, but it's fine. (laughs) Right. It's probably just because, no, I got nothing. Um, it's in the same stash for the munchies. Right, right. So it ended up in the dead letter office, and a postal worker took it home. So it stole it. Yeah. Took it home thinking, it's Snickers bars, it's Halloween. Look, I don't have to buy candy, and did <gasps> hand it out. But it no, no, was... No, no, you keep those for yourself, buddy. Well, he didn't know. He didn't know. He no, thought... even so, when you steal shit, you keep it for yourself. Oh. <laughs> It's a different crime when you start giving it out to other people. True. True. Let's minimize the criminality here. Keep that for yourself. I think it was like slated to be destroyed. It was in that batch yeah. of it's been here too long or whatever. So, I mean, it is still it is still stealing. But he, he was like, Meh. like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I have so, a hard time getting excited about people stealing things that are garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um. Especially to give to other children. Although, in this case, every single one of them was marijuana. And right. when they came back to him and they're like, dude. but cool. He's <laughs> like, I don't. I didn't know anything. Like, he was genuinely surprised. The cops were like, yeah, he had no clue. Oh, man. <laughs> Probably going to get reprimanded at work. But otherwise. <laughs> otherwise. Not at Everything fault. seems fine. So. So, this Halloween, you do not have to worry about poisoned candy. Good. I haven't any Halloween. <laughs> right? Eat it all. No worries. Done. But not right before bed. You're rushing my mellow now. You'll have weird dreams. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Eat it all, but don't let your kid eat it all right before bed. Right, right. No, that's a disaster. Yeah. I'm a grown up. I can handle my candy. I think I told last year the peanut story when it got to be Halloween time. Maybe, but tell it again. I have to tell it again because it's great. So we decided to teach all the anatomically correct terms for our children's bodies because that's what you do. And uh, so we we got to so Sophie was two last Halloween. She had just turned two and Tobin was four and they were they still bathed together. Um, And so we had just started talking a lot about penises. Mm -hmm. Only Tobin definitely thought we said peanuts. Oh, no. (laughs) And. And even though we had decided to use the correct terms, like so fucking cute that we didn't really correct it. And so I think they still say peanuts. (laughs) uh, But Sophia's animal that I assigned her is an elephant. 
So we dressed her up as an elephant, and the zipper pull on her elephant costume was a giant peanut, because that's adorable. Right. And so my mother-in-law is putting her in her costume, and she's like, I'm just going to zip up the peanut. And she, Sophie's horrified. <laughs> so we go out, go out trick-or-treating, come back, and we do the, you can have one thing before bed, and Sophie wants M&Ms. Mm-hmm. And so there are two choices. Plain <laughs> M&Ms. Or M&M's with peanuts. And this little tiny voice goes, oh, you're disgusting. <laughs> Which, from her point of view, that is upsetting. That is, yeah, that's not okay at all. <laughs> oh, man. So if you have M&M's with peanuts, that might be the exception <laughs> to the rule. They're the better M&M. It depends on what kind of peanuts are inside. Well... I'm talking factory here. (laughs) So, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. So, Diana, do you have a Halloween story for me? I do have a Halloween story for you. Um, But I have to give a shout out because the story I'm going to tell you today, uh, I didn't actually, I mean, I researched. Mm -hmm. But I didn't find. I actually heard it several years ago on an episode of The Roundtable of Gentlemen. But it's always stuck with me. Okay. So I wanted to look up. Uh, look it up. So Rebecca Cade was adopted by her mother, Cindy, at the age of four. And while Rebecca was a loved and wanted child, there were some challenges with her right from the start. Mm-hmm. At the time of her adoption, she weighed under 20 pounds, and she only wow. had a vocabulary of about 20 words. Poor baby. She was diagnosed with fetal alcohol syndrome. She had some learning disabilities, yeah. among other things. And as an adult, Rebecca continued to have a hard time. She made some bad choices. She occasionally got into trouble with the law, and she used drugs. According to her mother, Rebecca was a full-grown woman in her body. She was approximately nine years old or so mentally. Mm -hmm. So every once in a while, Rebecca would try to put her life back together, but nothing ever really stuck. No. In 2014, Rebecca gave birth to a, a child, Brian, with a Y who also displayed signs of fetal alcohol syndrome. And after a couple of weeks, she lost interest in him and gave him to Brian's aunt to raise, Brian's dad's sister. She'd come by sometimes to help out or buy food or diapers. And the last time she'd been to see him, a couple of weeks before she died, spoiler, she seemed fine. She didn't mention having trouble with anyone, but she'd spent a couple days in the hospital a few months before after being badly beaten, but didn't remember anything about it. Uh-huh. According to her friend Tabitha Long, she was very gullible, very easily misled. As long as she thought you were her friend, she would do just about anything for you. Yeah, I thought. So around 8.30 a.m. on October 13th, 2015, Rebecca Cade's body was found hanging from a chain link fence near a construction site. Oh, my gosh. Her body dangled with her sleeve caught high on the fence as if she were waving. Mm. Neighbors had seen the body and thought it was a Halloween prank. But police were called when a man walking his dog found a cell phone, a driver's license, and a shoe. Oh, my gosh. She was very badly beaten and her face was unrecognizable. Police later said that she died of blunt force trauma to the head and neck, and a bloody rock about the size of a grapefruit was found nearby and considered to be the murder weapon, and other items of her clothing were found several yards away. Later that day, Donnie Cockenauer Jr. was arrested for the murder of Rebecca Cade. Uh, The exact nature of their relationship is a bit fuzzy, 
she hadn't mentioned him to anyone. There was talk about a romantic rivalry between Rebecca and this guy's sister. They definitely slept together. But like what that relationship was is, is real fuzzy. But apparently the night before she was found, they had gotten into a fight near a railroad trestle and she was running away from him when she got caught in the fence. Once she was caught, he began to beat her with a large rock and she eventually lost consciousness. She couldn't even get away. Nope. She had defensive wounds on her hands and arms and a trail of blood marked where she ran from him and tried to jump the fence. Poor baby. Later, a forensic pathologist would testify that she was stabbed in the face. Her back had been burned through three layers of clothing. Oh, my gosh. And she had fought her attacker so hard that her bicep muscles were torn. (gasps) Youch. Her face, neck, and torso were covered in injuries. Her hands, chin, and jaw were bruised. Her nose was broken, and she had spinal and brain injuries. I mean, go her for fighting so hard, but at the same time, what a horrific way to die. Yeah, absolutely. So, Kockenauer left her for dead on the fence. Yeah. And went to his sister, sister's house. Her name is Lisa Frost. When he arrived, he was muddy and covered in blood. Yeah. He cleaned up in her bathroom, and then she helped him throw his soiled clothing in a neighbor's garage can before driving him to a friend's house. She's a real peach, too. Mm. A tip later alerted police that he may be involved, and he was arrested. Um, So, side note, we won't get there yet, but... um, she did spend a year in jail for that good and what she tried to say is oh no he didn't have anything to do with it i lied because i needed my next fix and i needed to go out and turn more like this is a class group yeah no kidding so um anywho she had talked to their other sister and her other sister told somebody and that somebody called the cops and then they came and picked him up well at least somebody in that circle was like hey this right. isn't cool. Right. You can't just beat a woman and leave her on a fence. Gee. So Donnie Cockenauer Jr. had an extensive history with the law. Hmm, I bet. He'd been charged 21 times with failure to appear in court hmm. and had several other uh, arrests. I don't know how you are charged 21 times with failure to appear. I think at some point they pick your ass up and make you, don't they? Well, if they know where you are. Well, it sounds like he, like, both he and Rebecca were lifelong residents of this tiny town. Right. Everybody knew them. Um, you know, like, yeah, they but, knew where to find them. Um, I, so I don't how I don't know how tiny their town is. Where I came from was I would consider it kind of a tiny town. Like mm-hmm. it, it's much bigger now than it was. But um, my brother-in-law definitely has been in that situation with the failure to appear. Mm-hmm. And I think they do eventually pick you up, but I, I don't know that they spend a ton of resources on it. 21 times. Right. No, I think <laughs> at 21 times they're probably looking for you. But it's also, I mean, to hide, all you have to do is like not, not tell more. someone yeah. where you are. Yeah. Not, not answer the door, not yeah. piss anyone off. Like you just don't. It sounds like Show not up. pissing anybody off was not his forte. No. Well, thank God. Well, and the other portion of the program, too, is that in this town, um, which is, I can't remember what it's called, Chillicothe, Ohio. <gasps> oh, wait, do you know Chillicothe, I've Ohio? I've been Chillicothe, yes. No shit. My grandma lived in Circleville. My other one lived in Kingston. It's all, like, right in that area. Oh. It did not sound 
great. Also, there was no. A, it's tiny. There was a serial killer at the same time. <gasps> Yikes! They haven't found anything. But when Rebecca was initially found, they thought that maybe she was a victim of the serial oh. killer. And as far as I can tell, they've still never figured out who the serial who, killer was. Yeah. But he targeted sex workers and drug addicts. And with Rebecca's history, it was kind of thought, oh, she's the next she victim, could be. and she wasn't. Once they got um, that police tip. Yeah, I think it's pretty poor and pretty small. and Yeah, it sounded like it wasn't a place full of opportunity. No, I don't think so. Yeah. So anyway, um, he had been put on three years of community control sanctions, which I think is parole mm-hmm. or probation. Um, we should look that up for our facts one day. <laughs> Finally yeah. figure out what that is. After he was convicted of sec- second degree resisting arrest in 2013. Um, he'd gone through some evaluations previously when he was facing charges. He's got several diagnosed learning disabilities and a speech impediment that uh, can make communication difficult. Because of his many issues, he was considered unfit to stand. Because of his many issues, he was considered unfit to stand trial after Rebecca's death for about a year. He underwent several evaluations, further being diagnosed with a speech and sound disorder, antisocial personality disorder, no shit, right, and substance abuse disorder, also no shit. Right. The last of three evaluations determined that he was possibly restorable, and the fourth evaluation indicated that he had been restored to competency. Basically getting him off the drugs, getting him healthy. And that's mostly mostly what it was, is like he was pretty sober. um, But they said like when they first started talking to him. And by the way, these evaluations like half an hour. I am not sure that they were extensive. Right. But um, during the first one, like he didn't even really understand what the criminal justice system was, which was interesting because he had definitely spent some time with it. Right. Um, So, yeah, he was just it sounds like he also did not function at the level of an adult. Right. So in April of 2017, Kalkenauer was finally put on trial. And uh, so I kind of giggled inside when you talked about the defense for your case. Mm -hmm. Because the defense for his case was that lots of people had the motive and opportunity to kill Rebecca Cade. Lots of them. Everyone hated her. Everybody liked her. But she, like, owed people money and was, you know, a drug and whatnot. That... So after 12 hours of deliberation, Kakenauer was found not guilty of Rebecca Cade's murder and released from jail. So there are some other instances of dead people being mistaken for Halloween decorations. I So the defense worked? Yep. Despite the bloody clothes, despite the... Because his sister kept saying that she had lied. About the bloody clothes. Mm-hmm. Even though the blood on the clothes matched Rebecca, the DNA on the rock matched him. Like, he fucking did it. So in theory, as I was thinking about this last night, in theory, our criminal justice system worked. Because they presented evidence that other people would have had the motive and the opportunity to kill her. Right. So was he guilty beyond a reasonable doubt? In my mind, 100%. Right. And it was a split jury. Um, so in theory, it worked, except he fucking did it. But are we in the same place that we are? I mean, again, this was a local jury yeah. in a place that's not in great shape. Yeah. People aren't overall well educated. They're not well employed. And That sucks, though. And did other people have the motive and opportunity? Yeah, probably. Right. But like. 
But that doesn't mean that they did. And he totes did. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he has a criminal history. And like he... I mean, I am 100% sure that he was the one that beat her before when she had to get, like... Well, so we don't know that. I know um, we don't know that. I know that. No. And it <laughs> sounded like... I mean, again, she functioned at the level of a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, she probably didn't have services. Like, it didn't sound like she was involved in any services or system. Right. You know, even everything with her kid was kind of handled privately, not not through right. the system. Um, so... <sighs> That just all sucks. It all sucks. He absolutely did it. And apparently, like, it sounds like I couldn't get a lot of information on his criminal history. It sounded mostly like he was just kind of a low-level shithead. Right. Um, But when they arrested him for Rebecca's murder and he appeared in court uh, via TV, he wasn't mm-hmm. allowed in court. He was in what they called a suicide suit. Um, He was on suicide watch. So he was... Real messed up over the whole thing. Well, then I guess at least it's good that he kind of suffers. Yeah, I mean. But. But still. Still shit. Right. So there are other instances of dead people being mistaken for Halloween decorations. In 1997, a woman was knocked over in a hit and run outside a Connecticut haunted house. People on the way to a Halloween display saw the woman lying there covered in blood and thought she was part of the act. God. One eyewitness told local police that she reached up to him from the ground and he just passed her off as one of the performers. Ugh. She died from her injuries and it was discovered to be an accident. No one was convicted of causing her death. Can you imagine being the person who was like, oh my God, that's so real. She scared me and then walked away. Yeah. And, and thinking maybe you could have done something. Yeah. Anybody had done something. Didn't. Right. Uh, In three separate instances, teenagers working at haunted houses or haunted hayrides accidentally hung themselves as part of displays when the nooses that were supposed to be loose and only for effect tightened and strangled them. God. On October 26, 2005, an unidentified woman climbed a tree a quarter mile from her home and jumped from a tall branch in an apparent suicide. Because of the proximity to Halloween, everybody that drove by the display assumed it was for the public and failed to report the body until much later that day. In 2009, Mustafa Muhammad Zaid's neighbors thought that he'd really gone all out on the Halloween decoration, complete with a slumped over sinister looking dummy on his front step. Four days later, someone finally had a good look at the prop and found that it was Mr. Zaid, who had died from a single gunshot wound to the eye. Oh my gosh. In Los Angeles in 2009, a decomposing corpse lay over the balcony of a house for days because neighbors thought it was a realistic dummy. So convincing was this Halloween display that no one reported it to the police for four days. One witness said the body was in plain view of the entire apartment complex and they didn't do anything. It's very strange. I, <sighs> And because I'm a horrible person, mm-hmm. this one's my favorite. <laughs> okay. The day after Halloween in 2013, a man collapsed and died outside of his door in Denver, Colorado. His body lay next to the mailbox, and the postman literally walked over him to deliver the mail, thinking it was a leftover Halloween decoration. According to a statement released by the United States Post Office, this is a very unfortunate situation and one that probably would not happen any other time of the year. Right. The man. I would hope not. The man who died... His name was Dale Porch. Oh, my God. That's why it's your favorite. 
Yeah. Uh, I, is it okay to just be like, can we not have that realistic of Halloween decorations? Like, let's just ban that. I have never seen a Halloween decoration that realistic. We had some neighbors that went all out with haunted houses. They had a competition. They were like next door neighbors. They were right down the street. We couldn't take the kids there because it was terrifying. <laughs> they would chase you around with chainsaws. Like it was scary. Mm-hmm. And some of their statues and things were were pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the same weight. Like there was one that they had hung up in a tree and it didn't have the same weight. Right. But like... Can we just not, like, let's just, let's just not, not do that. No. I'm going to hang my wreath made of black feathers and call it good. Right. I've got a giant purple and black spider in mm-hmm. my fall wreath. Like, yeah. that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it glittery? Uh, That one is not, but there is a pink and purple one in the bell jar that is glittery. Okay. That one's on the table. Oh, I saw that one. That was cool. <laughs> so, Aaron... Yes. Now you're wondering, how likely is it that you're going to die and be mistaken for Halloween decoration? Well, I'm actually wondering, tomorrow night, when I take my kids trick-or-treating, are they going to stumble across a dead body, and then later we're going to find out it wasn't a prop? No, because you're smarter than that. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the smell would be a giveaway, but again, we're in Minnesota, so maybe not. Just be frozen. Yeah, it's chilly. I I just... is Is this likely to happen, Diana? No. So, uh, much like your story, there are not specific statistics for this exact circumstance. Not something the FBI tracks. It isn't. Weird. Not even in 2016. Step it up, FBI. God, what are you doing? But I can tell you that worldwide, there are eight deaths per 1,000 people annually. So that gives you an overall chance of dying this year of any cause at any time of 1 in 125. Less than 1% chance that you're going to die this year. Okay. So I also tried to look up what are the chances that you will die and not be discovered for a bit. Also, not statistics that are kept, but I did find an article that quoted Alan Salzberg of consulting firm Salt Hill Statistics. You are more likely to die alone if you have no children or live to be older. So if you don't want to die alone, have a bunch of kids and die young, neither of which we are officially endorsing. Crime crazy. No, agreed. But I think that our call your people pretty much covers that as well. Um... So, no, probably not. But I w- do want to say that uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I did an extensive search for people that died and were mistaken as Halloween decorations. And mm-hmm. all I found was seven. Also, all in the United States. <laughs> well, but Although other countries don't do Halloween like we do. I was going to say, I think trick-or-treating is pretty uniquely United yep. States. I, I mean, I think it happens other places, but not Not like to this here. extent. No. Yeah. No, so very unlikely that you are going to die and be mistaken for Halloween decoration. And it does sound like, for the most part, they'll, fig- they'll figure it out pretty quick. Right. Unlike, you know, the four-day guy. Right. I mean, my family would figure out immediately because I am in charge of Halloween costumes, and you can't mm. get candy without costumes, and so they would know. I give out candy to kids who don't have costumes. Well, yeah, but I don't think we would take my kids trick-or-treating if they didn't have costumes. Well, like, yeah. Also, they wouldn't go trick-or-treating without me. Like, no. I just I just feel like I'd be discovered. Yeah. You've got a lot of people in your house. Somebody would stumble over you at some point. I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. Mm-hmm. Well, that's very comforting. I have really liked our theme. I, ha- 
love too. I, think, I really I think enjoy we need the to do this every year. I agree. I agree. I like being allowed to do all of the over the top gory stuff, mm. but to also feel like I'm not doing it just for the sake of over the top gory stuff. Right. However, cannibalism, poisoning, poison Halloween candy, people being mistaken as a Halloween decoration, um, being killed by your significant other, being killed and tortured by a stranger. Like, what are we going to top this with? I know what we're going to top it with. But y'all are going to have to wait till Thursday to find out. That is true. <laughs> this week, you only have to wait two days for another episode. Right. But I want to I want to give a warning for the next episode. I, I think so. If you love Trump, go ahead and skip it. I have to disagree. If you love Trump, you might need to listen. You're not going to like You're it. You're not going to like it. But you are the person who needs to listen the most. Yes. Um, if you are uncomfortable with talk about human anatomy, skip it. Yeah. If you are triggered by talks about things that happen to women in our modern society, I would definitely skip it. Yeah. So, yeah. Th- uh, the next episode is going to be hard for, for people. We it is. We understand that. And that's why we're doing it. I'm hoping that it will also be empowering and that some of those people who do get triggered by talks of things that happen to women. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious we're talking about things like sexual assault mm-hmm. and that um, that maybe this would be more empowering mm-hmm. than triggering. But if that is something that you need to stay away from at this moment, stay away from it. Yep. Like, that's we're, fine. We are not going to be offended. Um, but. We think it's important to talk about, especially now, Agreed. because the more I think about it, the more I think this is probably the most important election of our lifetimes. I know you don't watch a lot of TV, but one of the stations, and I don't even know, or channels, it's a channel because it's TV. I also <laughs> don't watch a lot of TV. She barely knows how it works anymore. Right? <laughs> um, one of them has been playing this CNN commercial, and it's not CNN, like I'm not watching CNN. Mm-hmm. But it comes on, stresses me the fuck out. (laughs) But what they've done is they've taken their election day coverage and they're running it as if they are covering a major sporting event with that like announcer voice and that urgency and everything. And I love it because, oh my God, this is so much more important than fucking football. Mm -hmm. But it still, every time they run it, I'm like, oh my God, I should just go vote right now. Do you think they would let me in early just so I can get my vote? You can. (laughs) You can vote by mail in Minnesota. You can get a an absentee ballot absentee ballot and do that um if you are listening i didn't look up the states but there are quite a few number of states where you can um, register at the polls we will also be posting information about i do not remember what it's called but there is an organization uh that is meant to help you exercise your right to vote and if you are uh, being turned away at the polling place they will help you out yes so we will provide all of that information as well on thursday right And as much as the selfish part of me wants to say only vote if you're going to vote the way I do, just go vote. Like, just just go vote. (laughs) And and really think in this election, if the party that you are voting to put in power is the party that speaks for you. Yes. And I would also encourage people who are special goddamn snowflakes like I am who say things like, I only vote for third party candidates. Um, I've had to get over myself. Yeah. Because although I believe in voting for third party candidates, I think the two party system is inherently flawed and we need to mix it up and it's time for some new political parties. Um, and if political parties get a certain percentage of votes, they receive funding and major party status and all of these things that I think is really important. Fuck third parties. They're just giving my votes to Trump. 
It, I mean, that's, that's as much, what happened. Right, right. Well, it didn't because Hillary won in a fucking landslide. Well, okay. But that um, as didn't somebody, help. Right, but as somebody who has used my vote to incrementally change the system over my lifetime as a voter, mm-hmm. that doesn't happen now. This time, choose the very least damage that we can possibly do. Right. I agree. This election has got me so stressed out. Well, I mean, there's a reason I don't watch TV. Yeah. Mostly because we don't have cable, but also for other reasons. (laughs) Well, let's turn this conversation around. Do we have any things to celebrate this week? (gasps) We do! I'm excited! (sighs) Crime Crazy is sponsored by... Am Gillum, Elizabeth Wilder, and Dave Hat. Woohoo! Show sponsors support Crime Crazy through Patreon at the $10 per month level or above. Thank you. You guys are awesome. And Dave, I promise I'm going to get to that story. There is so much there. <laughs> oh my God. He sent me this story from when he was a kid. And it is like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of like court transcripts. Like Ooh. it is very well documented. But it is nice. going to take some work to do some justice to it. So he just didn't want you to be bored. It is coming, but there is a lot, and I do not want to fuck it up. Also, um, I think it's a nipple belt. It's a nipple belt. Do your research. God. <laughs> it wasn't a serial killer. Get it together. You'll have to go to the Facebook group to check that one out. Yes, it's a nipple belt. I almost posted a picture, but it was like, that seems excessive for a Tuesday. <laughs> Although it doesn't look nearly as offensive as I expect it to. It's because it's in black and white. <laughs> well, okay, that's fair. But like, I don't know. A special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to support Crime Crazy, please check out our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash crimecrazypod or search for Crime Crazy Podcast. All patrons get a monthly shout out on the show. We have. Yeah. We have a review. Woo. Wait. Is it a five star review? Uh-huh. Those are the best. They are the best. So we have a five star review from Moon Sweetie. She is a sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Jess. Um, so Moon Sweetie is actually a very talented artist. I oh, have yeah? several pieces of her art in my home. Ooh. Yeah. What does she make? Oh my God, everything. So Ooh. she is a very talented photographer. So uh, uh, that picture that's on, when you look at my desk to the right, uh-huh. that's hers. Ooh. She does pottery with her dad. So check out Dad and Kiddo Pottery on Facebook or Etsy. That's fucking adorable. Yeah. So my awesome egg cup that barfs out the egg whites, that's <laughs> hers. And my fishy cup that's on my desk. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I've got several several of their pieces. She does that with her dad, Jim, who is lovely. Her whole family's great. Oh, uh, that's she's, awesome. She said that she got her husband hooked on us. So, hey, John. Nice. <laughs> um, so do check it out. We will link on Facebook and our social media, but do check out Jess's artwork. She's very talented. She's very lovely. Please support her. Awesome. And also, guys, if you leave us a review, we will totally pimp your stuff. hundred <laughs> percent. So we also have a Facebook recommendation, which Ooh. I think is the first time I've seen this. So this is cool. I didn't know they did that. Uh, well, we now, were recommended. We were recommended by April Op. I hope I have pronounced your name right. I am sorry if I did not. Who says, love the stories, love the humor. Nice. So thank, thank you, April. That was lovely. We, we love you too. Yes. Although she didn't actually say love the hosts. I'm going to say it was implied. Implied. 
In quote implied. Right. <laughs> so if you would like to receive a shout out and or pimp your thing, please rate and review us on iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice. We give shout outs for all reviews. But we like those five star ones the best. Yes. And we do our best to call them from all of the different sources. But if it's been a week or two and you haven't we, heard. Yeah. If you haven't heard, because we do record on like a week lag. Yeah. So if it's been a couple of weeks, please feel free to send us the screenshot yeah. or whatever so we right. can go find it because um, I know we're not necessarily catching all of them right we're catching a lot more than we used to oh my gosh so many more it's so fun so you can follow crime crazy on facebook we're at facebook.com slash crime crazy pod from there catch up on the conversation by joining the crime crazy discussion groups where you will not see a picture of a nipple belt because i have restraint yeah but there is the picture of all the slaughtered bodies with the fun um predictive text game oh, but it's staged fun. so you know yeah you can also follow us on Twitter at Crime Crazy Pod, on Instagram at Crime Crazy Pod, visit our website at crimecrazypodcast.com, or email us at crimecrazypodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media. On Twitter, you're at Erin Plyme. I'm at Diana underscore Seacon. And on Instagram, you're at E Plyme. And, and if you are a Harry Potter fan, you should probably follow my Instagram. Oh my God! It was so great! <laughs> I am pretty sure I spent all of last week just squealing instead of working. (laughs) (laughs) I had so much fun. It sounded like it. Uh, Instagram, I'm at Diana underscore Seacon. No more classy broad. (sighs) Well, I did update my bio to be crime crazy classy broad. There you go. Perfect. Uh, And some Brian Fallon lyrics, maybe. Of course. Of course. So. um, Do you suppose Brian Fallon's a listener? Oh, my God. That should be your new life goal. Is to get Brian Fallon to be a listener of your podcast. And then you could listen to each other. Diana met him, in I case you all were not aware. I need a moment alone. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, let's finish the episode first. All right, so I now have two life goals. Ooh, wait, I have an additional shout out. <gasps> when I was in New York. Oh my God, it's like four weeks late. I know. She's ready. I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting. When I was in New York uh, to see Brian Fallon twice. It's a good good week. Uh, my sister and I, uh, who we went to New York together for these shows, we, at the first show, there was a heckler. <laughs> <laughs> and the the music hall of Williamsburg, there's like the floor area and then there's a balcony and there was this heckler up in the balcony and he kept shouting Have Mercy, which is a song from mm-hmm. uh, Gaslight Anthem's last album. Um. They kept saying, have mercy, have mercy. And Brian Fallon's really great with the hecklers. Like, he will engage them but try to shut them down, but he's super nice about it. Right. So he's like, look, guy, I, like, I made a set list. Like, there is balance. Like, I have I have made the decision. I, I did some work. Right. right. But I'm doing this again tomorrow if you tweet me. Um, yeah. Also, I don't, like, I don't remember all my songs. I don't play them all the time. Like, yeah. I'll, I'll practice. And, like, maybe I'll play it tomorrow. Come back tomorrow and find out. So... Uh, the show's over. My sister and I are out on the street. We're waiting for our Uber to take us back to the hotel. And this guy comes up to us and he's, I'm sorry, Rob, real drunk. (laughs) (laughs) But so he comes up to us and he's like, hey, were you guys at the show? And we're like, yeah. He's like, what'd you think? Like, he's amazing. He's always amazing. Right. He's like, yeah, I really wish he would have played Have Mercy. And we're like, you're the heckler. (laughs) So we went out. Uh, so his name is Rob. We went out with Rob and his friends uh, Tim and Nancy, who are engaged. Congratulations, we- guys! Congratulations! 
Um, they were lovely. We had the best night. We shut the bar down. Oh and <laughs> it was it was amazing. It was such a fun night. We had so much fun with you guys. Um, he did not play Have Mercy the next day. I'm sorry. But you didn't miss it, so that's good. Right, right. He just knew you weren't going to be there, and he didn't want to disappoint. Yes, but I did give Tim, uh, like, Tim subscribed to our podcast as we were in the bar. Nice. Um, so Tim or Rob or Nancy, whoever's listening, hi, we had a banner time. Um, thanks for taking us out. Thanks nope. for not being serial killers and killing my friend. Ah, it's fine. Brooklyn's not that scary. I, well, and we have discussed like how rare it is to just get randomly tortured and murdered. But do you have any other advice for us this week? <sighs> do your research. Like, yeah, there are so many things that we grew up knowing, like yeah, candy being tampered with. Um, a lot of we've even seen throughout our stories with Crime Cozy, a lot of things that we do reflexively. Yes. Are based on ba- are based on fear. Are based on things we were raised with, or things we know. See air quotes. Yeah, that didn't happen. That aren't a threat. Are statistically unlikely. That you are not necessarily in a position where you need to worry about these sorts of things. Right. The world is a scary, weird place. Yeah. But it is a lot less dangerous, especially for those of us in developed nations with strong criminal justice systems and and controls in place. It's not as dangerous as we think it is. Right. Well, and I think with that, it goes back to what we were saying before. Like, there are dangerous things that could happen to you. You do need to take precautions. Mm -hmm. But if you do the research, you know what dangerous things to prepare for. Right. And the dangerous things are mostly don't hang out with people who are going to kill you. Right. Right. You know the people around you who are dangerous, and they are the ones who are the most likely to hurt you. Yep. Those are the ones you need to watch out for, not these weird strangers in the middle of a cornfield level. Like, that just right. doesn't, it's just not common. It is statistically insignificant. Call your people. Call your people. Don't let them end up as non-existent Halloween decorations that don't really ever happen. Don't let them slip through the cracks. Just keep in touch. Keep in touch. And don't end up on next week's episode. Well, welcome to our final episode of Crime Crozy. You think you need to do that? I think that was crozy. Crozy. <laughs> welcome to our final episode of crime cozy the weekly during the month of october podcast where we prove that we know nothing about our legal system oh shit or who we are (laughs) all right so i guess the answer to will there be bloopers is yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah, right away (laughs) yeah pretty much all right so Yeah, well, so this case I'm actually about to talk about might not be the one you're thinking of because it takes place in 47, I believe. Hold on. Oh, no, different one then. Hold on. Now that I've said that, I am questioning it. So we're going to play the music. Blah, 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 blah. Do do
Do, 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 do